There are submissions again in January, and then we're starting again in January. And I've got um, there's in December the second podcast in December will give you the the inspiration for the submissions that I'll want in January. Welcome and thank you for joining us today at the Haiku P podcast, a podcast dedicated to Japanese short form poetry in the English speaking world. My name is Patricia, and paradoxically. I live in Zurich and spend much of my time in a Swiss German speaking universe, which might account for the odd way I sometimes use my verbs. Hey ho! So today I'm delighted to be joined by Ravi Kiran and Lynn Jambor, who've been on the podcast before, and Alison Douglas Turner, who's making her debut here today, although we all know her work. We'll be talking haiku. And analyzing some of your wonderful haiku and senryu as we bring you a selection written for this open submission period. There will, of course, be more in the third journal, which in all probability will be out in January next year. But remember, Journal 2 from Poetry P in 2022 was recently published, and you can go to the website and find it. If you were signed up for our mailing, you were offered an early bird discount. One of the advantages of being signed up. So, if you aren't already, do go along and sign up today. Don't miss out on the next early bird discount, or indeed all the news from Poetry P. Next year we are, as always, up to lots of interesting Japanese short form things. Now, today I'll start by reading you Linda's choices from our YouTube video prompt. The next one will be up on YouTube on the 1st of January. Obviously, if you're subscribed to our channel, and why wouldn't you be? It's a free resource after all. It will pop into your life right on cue. If not, you'll have to head over to Poetry P's YouTube channel and find it. So here are Linda's choices. Thank you, Linda, for all the work you do with our video prompt submissions. And if you'd like to join Linda's editing team for the prompt next year, do email me. You can pop in and out of our lives whenever you have time. Righty ho, Linda's choices. The sound of water falling under its spell. Kim Clue. Falling water, how dreams sparkle the night. Marilyn Ashbow. Rockpool. I scoop my face, studded with stars. Mira Rame. In the drip of every drop, Basho's frog. Keith Everts. White noise. The multilingualism of water. Paul Callas. Thank you all very much. And once again, thank you so much to Linda. Now we'll move to the open submissions that you sent us. My thanks to the editing team for reading through the many submissions and making their choices Ron Craig, Robert Horobin, Liam Maguire, Lorraine Padden, and Vandana Parashar. This month was a bumper submission period, and together we must have read around a thousand poems. Thank you very much, team. 
Today, we're going to start with a nomination, and that nomination will come from Ravi Kiran, who, if you remember, joined us last month. Hello, Ravi. How are you doing? Good evening, Patricia. I'm doing good. Thank you. (laughs) Excellent. Now, Ravi, it's Halloween here, and it's about the time that children will be ringing on my doorbell. So apologies to everyone if we have that in the background. I'm not anticipating too much trouble because it's not a big thing here. But I wondered, Ravi, what happens in your neck of the world? What happens in India? Well, uh, it's a pleasant surprise for us for the last couple of years that the kids here have become uh, more socially aware of what happens in the rest of the world. And uh, the Halloween is now a tradition here in India as well. So we had a small troop of them coming over and then uh, emptying the candy bowl here. So we had good fun. <laughs> so Ravi, how did you enjoy reading through the submissions this month? I must honestly confess I was, I was really overwhelmed. Because the concentration of great poems has been extremely high this time. I'm saying, in my first iteration, I could shortlist 17. Not one oh. two. And then I, I had to really, really spend a day after that trying to figure out which one to choose. And it was such a tough choice, let me tell you. I, I was really blown over. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I had a lot of... A lot of- poems from this submission period that I could have nominated for the touchstone, but I had to limit myself. Anyway, let's hear, Ravi. Who did you pick? Which poem did you pick and why? Uh, the poem that I picked up uh, this time was one by Mira Ray. Leaking stars through each gap, November tree. Leaking stars through each gap, November tree by Mira Ray. One of the main reasons that I'm drawn to this haiku is that the poet leaves much of the story intentionally untold. Haiku is said to be a collaborative art, and rightly so. The reader brings his or her own interpretation of the poem, which enhances the overall experience. Sometimes this perspective of the reader could be something that the poet did not even intend, but that does not diminish the appeal of the poem. The poem by Mira is one such shining example The first two lines bring in synesthesia, where the stars are presented to be leaking through the gaps. If the reader were to take a pause here, then his or her mind would momentarily be lost as to what are the stars leaking through. This is where the cut in the haiku happens. The third line completes the poem after a brief tease with just two words, November tree. This sends the reader's mind racing again and then he is reminded there's a tree in November is shorn of leaves and is just bare branches. The leaves, which are normally blocking the view of the sky, are no longer there. This facilitates a person to see what lies beyond the tree, the stars. This could be a typical night scene for someone sleeping next to a window. Most of the year, the leaves block the view of what lies beyond. In late autumn, a new perspective on On the vertical axis, there are many things that keep our focus on the things that are around us and take most of our time and our mind share as well. It is only when we see beyond the obvious that we realize that there is more to life. When we perceive the bigger picture, we can pursue a goal that really matters. For me, haiku is one such pursuit which took me beyond my familiar routine. Structurally, the haiku confirms to the short, long, short form of a classical three-line haiku. 
the first two lines comprise the phrase and the third line is a fragment and the cut between them is distinct overall it's a very fine haiku in the classical traditions and a very engaging one at that yes it is i agree with you totally there thank you very much ravi ravi as i have you here today do you think you could read your submission for us please her tattoo unveiled an audience of one her tattoo unveiled an audience of one thank you ravi it's always such a pleasure to listen to the poet read their own work thank you very much alto cumulus sky farmer opens the window to cotton ball fields lakshmi ayer confessional a robin calls for her fledglings bill fay dragonflies joining the yard high club fj bergman white lies a puffball growing on a stump tony williams fields of clover adding a charm to her bracelet tina mori desert smells the dry skin slough of snake and scorpion dennis moulsby migrating sandpipers only senior citizens in the voting queue diabat a williams pear inside the bottle autumn loneliness polona oblack pumpkin seeds his holiday homework still unfinished daniela miso spring cleaning grandma's nose ring in the spice box ah suresh babu grave visit each time further and further away herb tate spring thaw a place setting returns to our sunday brunch bona m santos half cut blue agave half cut mark ferrol delicate mist in the spider's web autumn bl bruce creek crossing how carefully i place my words james crotsman droplets on a banana leaf the beggar counts his coins nina singh blooming cactus sharing secrets for the first time bachtia amini airstrike the day bleeds into nightfall mariangela canzi 
Crickets, all through winter. My tinnitus. Richard Jordan. Finding bodies sleeping with the fishes. Lake Mead dries up. Eyavonka Ettinger. Eyavonka. My frog ponds dried up this summer. It was so warm. But I'm pleased to tell you that all the rain we've had has sorted that out now. Autumn stroll. I'm going through changes. Birk Anderson. Morning glories down the handrail. The night ahead. William O'Sullivan. Children's fingers dripping with chocolate. Endless rain. Nika. Nika. I can't tell you the fear that poem strikes in my heart. The idea of all my children, when they were small, on a rainy play day, their fingers covered with chocolate. Gosh, the mess they could make. First tattoo. A sapsucker stipples a pear tree. Richard L. Matter. Cul-de-sac. I cut the budding iris before the frost. Kristen Lindquist. Canyon Trail, a lull in the lilt of the creek. Brad Bennett. I poke my finger in the pond, a ripple of thoughts. Susan Andrews. Autumn Downland. Twigs turning into deer. Dorothy Burrows. One sunflower in the soybean field. Autumn solitude. Marilyn Ashbow. Red umbrella. A small galaxy for two. Renee Bonin. As you know, I would dearly like to have an intern. I don't think that interns should work for nothing, so I'm saving up my coffee money so I can give them a little reward for the work I want them to do. I know it's going to help me, and I really hope this opportunity will give someone a chance to start a career they'll love and keep them fed and watered. So a big thank you to everyone who's helped me get a little closer to my goal this month. I'm about... 50% of the way. Thank you to Giddy Nielsen-Sweep, Debbie Olson, Stina Hernandez, Linda Ludwig, Kimberly Kucher, Colette Kern, Jerome Berglund, Daniel, Eve Castle, Jenny Shepherd, Wendy Blomseth and Jason Furtak. And to everyone who anonymously donated or gave a donation to download the show notes. Thank you too. I'm also very grateful for all the downloads of the latest journal. All the proceeds from the journals go towards the development of all we do here at Poetry P 
and pay for things like all our internet costs, which can mount up. Thank you so much. And so, let's hear some more of your submissions. I hope you agree they're a cracking bunch this month. Barren Branch Wish I could call the bird by its name. Pravat Kumar Padi. September rain scenting the air, cedarwood trees. Debbie Olson. And like a good one-liner, as discussed with Carla Ramesh on our Poetry Bee Readings podcast, you can put the cut in a number of places. Perhaps if you go to the show notes and have a read, you'll have different ideas about where to put the cut. Blizzard. My world pixelated. Krista Pandy. First cold morning. Every dog a puppy again. Alison Whipple. Rain rolls in early this morning. The baby is crying. Eve Castle. Swallows leave again, flying over furrowed fields. My wrinkles deepen. Jenny Hyatt. Kaufmaniana, stargazing in Grandma's garden. Bonnie J. Shearer. Spring again, the newborn cycling in the air. Minal Sarosh. Jungle cascade, bouncing inside the bubbles, morning light. Salmia Bansal. Moose in the meadow, two males dozing in dusklight, but the cow watches. Carla Lynn Merrifield. Gilded arcs, silhouettes of hawks glide into sunset. Douglas J. Lanzo. Flower moon, floating in the hot tub. A champagne cork. Carol Judkins. Morning mist. A circle of vultures on standby. Hildegard Bachmann. Young married couple. Pomegranate with no instructions. Randy Brooks. The customs officer turns the pages of the passport. Autumn leaves. Marie Derley. Spring sunshine. Letting her believe the butterfly is alive. Edward Cody Huddleston. Wool sweater. The snow stitched with animal tracks. Valentina Rinaldi Adams. 
summer morning, gathering two cents worth, rosemary and lavender. Sarah Paris Trying to catch cherry blossom on her tongue. Early dementia. Adele Evershed A crab walking sideways, avoiding problems. Mark Brimble Changing leaves, a letter to an old friend marked Return to Sender. Antoinette Cheong Dusk fall. A crow's cry fills the bare window. David He Pressed between empty pages. A moth. Miriam Sulhunt Misty Hills. Another change in his career. Samo Kreutz Wild geese come back to where I live, anyway. Keith Everts A bee wild swimming in the bird bath. Claire Ninham How still this bumblebee. Cold snap. Sally Bigger Autumn chill, the warmth of laundry from the dryer. Jackie Chow. A cappella birdsong, until the wind chimes. Laura Driscoll. Irish foothills, my distant cousin drives the jaunting car. Kerry J. Heckman Replanting the vegetable patch My father's footprints Wendy Ghent Soap bubbles Her freckles disappear every fall Mercia Moldovan Late October Black windows stare back. Mimi Ahern. Nuclear winter. The talking heads not talking. Lee Hudspeth. Wild beach. Watching the surfer. Watching the wave. Maya Daneva. Thousands of small waves bumper to bumper on the ferry. Richard Tice A blackbird's eye, the mountain moving within. Mark Forrester So now it's been a while since we heard from our next judge. Welcome back, Lynn Jambor. 
Thank you very much, Patricia. This has been a delightful process as usual. I agree with Ravi. The submissions were marvelous. I think my first run through, I ended up with 15 choices and had to do a number of run throughs to get down to one. So it was a very lovely process because it's wonderful to read all these poems. The one I chose, a lilt now and then in a crow's incessant cawing, mountain wind. A lilt now and then in a crow's incessant cawing, mountain wind by Sankara Jayanth Sudhanagunta. And my apologies if I have not pronounced that correctly, but I hope so. This is a poem of sound and motion, a Gendai exploration, incorporating some lyrical elements as well as haiku aesthetics. The juxtaposition of emotional elements, the respite and the despair, and concrete elements, of song and sound is especially apparent after multiple readings. When a crow is cawing nonstop, it often means there is a danger nearby or that you need to stop avoiding difficult decisions and take action. The use of the descriptor incessant is not common in haiku. It carries the connotations of continual sound and annoyance the more traditional haiku might leave it out. The lilt in the wind is a dancing, possibly cheering, resilient break or action. The reference to a musical lilt can be both a break in the wind and an opportunity for respite and positive reflection. Both the lilt and the incessant cawing refer to the mind's move toward action and away from procrastination. A traditional haiku might not extend the aha moment, the lilt in space and time with now and then, but I think it works well here. Lilt is a word of hope that is hidden in the first line. It might initially be tempting to ignore its significance. To relieve the darkness, and the possible danger of the crow calls and the winter wind, the reader needs to go back to the lilt. Just as if during dark times in our lives, we have to deliberately search out the relief and positivity that underlies our shared human experiences. Reading the poem aloud emphasizes the harsh stopping sound of the T in lilt. The soft seas of incessant and hard, unharmonious seas of crow and cawing add to the cacophony and confusion of an emotional environment that has its ups and downs as compared to the more, little exper more literal experience of a life that is peaceful and discordant. Though mountain wind may not be a specific seasonal phrase, it evokes a strong cold wind from the mountain summit and is often associated with winter. The use of the M dash at the end of the second line readies the reader for a change in direction. 
the mountain wind allows us to scourge the darkness and return to the hope and the positive upbeat of the lilt. Thank you, Lynn. We don't have a poem from you this time, but I do have a question for you. Yes. Last time you were on, I can't remember, I think it was just before the Haiku North America conference and you were terribly busy. And I wonder, are you doing it again this year? Are you getting as involved as you were last time? Well, let me put it this way. There is absolutely no way that I would do that again. <laughs> the Zoom process was very stressful. Oh, yeah. It, of course, was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But we have the amazing and very competent Jennifer Hambrick doing oh. the 2023 event in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Just to mention that the poem that the poet that Lynn just read out happens to be from my same city. I really hope I didn't murder the pronunciation of that name. Not bad. I mean, the way it is actually pronounced is Shankara Jain Sudanagunta. Thank you both very much for that. Thank you. He tells me the history of oil. Slow moon rising. John S. Green. Childhood home. The tender peel of a delight apple. Angiola Inglese. Autumn afternoon. The old pair peddle a tandem towards the zoo. Maeve O'Sullivan. Winter evening, wrapping myself in Sinatra's voice. Angela Terry. Angela, I think one of the regrets I've, I have is that I never heard Sinatra sing live. I really wish I had. Blue skies, blue sage, hummingbirds. Deborah P. Kologi. Yellow primroses. The old brick wall holds up a rusted rake. Alvin Johnson. Lamb's ear. The gardener removes her gloves. P.H. Fisher. A little night music. Sharing our home with crickets. Charles Harmon. Seconds. Imperfect apples in the craft cider. Christine Wink Harrison. Summer solitude. I slip into the shadows of a cool forest. C.X. Turner. The reflection of ascending wood ducks. Kurt Paulish. Now, you really need to go to the show notes and have a look at this one. Let me know what you think. And I'll pass that on to Kurt. See if you get what he was trying to do. Beggar's cap. A lone coin centres the universe. Robert Kingston. Herniated disc. Reassessing the journey to my shoelaces. 
David J. Kelly. Rising fog. Everything returns to its place. Sylvia Tristan-Yuck. Lost on country roads, an eagle soars above golden maples. Kathleen Tice. I don't think you'd worry too much about being lost if you could look at something like that, would you? Frost. The thwocks of an axe, the only sound. Joseph P. Wexelberger. In the blackbird's orange beak. Orange peel. Phil Madden. In a shower of cherry petals. How to Zazen. Katie Moore. Poppy petals. Slipping away mum's aged friends. Kim Clue. Sick of leftovers. She gives him the fingerling. Lorraine A. Pallon. Evacuation route. Sunflowers, bowed heads, going nowhere. Ron Scully. Undecided, the braided river searches for an easy path. Steve Ullum. Dewdrop, a blade of grass reaches the open sky. Cynthia Green. Old barbed wire, the gate stiff with morning glories. Tyler McIntosh. Dad's first garden, radishes and rabbits. Maureen Lanagan Haggerty. Blood sunset, somewhere a bomb shatters a family. Sangeeta Kalarikal. Japan Autumn, East Forest Gold Portrait. Spicy Ramen. Wayne Kingston. Cherry blossoms scattered across the courtyard, the tap of her white cane. Joshua Gage. Ladybug rides a garage door. My luck. Ronald K. Craig. Dubai Bazaar. No plan to buy, yet my mother haggles. Pretty Kular. Touch and go. Premature twins in their glass cubes. Norman Silver. The chit-chat from far away, guns, near a cash-up. Wipe-out, sunlight catches a flying board, Mark Gilbert. 
And so to our next nomination, I'd like to welcome Alison Douglas Turner to the podcast for the very first time. Welcome, Alison. Thank you. Very exciting to be here. It's exciting it's kind to of have surreal. you. I'm used to just listening to the podcast, sometimes in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I can't sleep. So thank you. Thank you very much for volunteering to come along and to be part of the panel of judges. You and I have had a bit of toing and froing, especially as the clocks changed last weekend for me. But we're here now. And did you enjoy reading through the submissions? I did. I really enjoyed reading through the submissions and uh, I learned a lot from doing it. Mm -hmm. I read up on craft and really gave a lot of thought to all the haiku. So it was a really good process for me. Excellent. So Mm -hmm. with all this wonderful knowledge you have, tell us which of the poems did you eventually choose and why? Well, I could have chosen a lot of different ones because there were so many that were well-crafted and beautiful to read. In the end, I think maybe it was just possibly my mood because there were so many good ones. This one is wonderful too. My choice was Turquoise Lagoon, The Sandy Bottom Becomes a Flat Fish. Turquoise Lagoon, The Sandy Bottom Becomes a Flat Fish by Amanda Bell. You said it might be your mood, but tell us, tell us a little bit about the choice. Well, the mood, I think, because it was just such a lovely, warm, (laughs) tropical image was maybe uh, really attracted me to begin with. There were so many wonderful wintry poems with wind and this one kind of stuck out because of that. And I thought it had an awful lot to recommend it as well. The words Blue Lagoon have become synonymous with tropical paradise, a beautiful heaven-like idea. And so I worried that it might be a little cliche, but after reflection, I couldn't imagine Amanda choosing a better opening line. It works perfectly for the job at hand. The first line, Turquoise Lagoon, draws us into the haiku with the idea of an island paradise, a beautiful turquoise dream, which must be experienced to be realized. The second line, the sandy bottom does just that, inviting us to step into the lagoon. Amanda could have said, my feet on the sandy bottom instead, I don't think that that would have worked as well. By leaving the words, my feet, out, Amanda invites us to fill in the space ourselves and imagine the feel of soft sand between our toes and the warm water. So the focus of the haiku moves from the beautiful idea of the lagoon to the sensual experience of it. We have moved a step away from the abstract and closer to experiencing the lagoon as it really is. The third line becomes a flat fish. Makes me laugh. I liked it for that reason too. (laughs) Uh, But a surprise. Now we have moved into the magic of the present moment. What we thought we knew 
has shape-shifted into something totally surprising. We did not expect the sand to turn into a fish. We were unaware of the flat fish hidden just under the sand. There are many proverbs, poems, and books written about the shifting sands of time and fate. Ozymandias by Shelley is a favorite of mine. I love that poem. Our lives are built on sand. We don't have the certainty that we think we have. This little poem addresses the topic in a deceptively simple, playful way and in only three lines. I love this poem. Thanks, Amanda. That's interesting, Alison, that you're right. There are lots of wintry poems and very few summery ones in there. Thank you. Thank you for drawing my attention to that. Thank you very much. And Alison, as I have you here on the panel as well, do you think you could read your poem to us, please? After the rains, pumpkins and ducks. After the rains, pumpkins and ducks. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome. Pre-storm wind, a bumblebee clings to the Heliopsis. Doris Lynch. Smoking Chillum, the Agori speaks of the Chillum. Daipanyan Nair. Half open window, it's there, it's there, you stupid fly. David Wheeler. Don't know about you, but I feel that one's a little bit Kerouac inspired. Hitting the road. Unheard melodies, my roadmap. Christina Povero. Open casket. Our office janitor looks great in a suit. AJ Anwar. Receding tide. The sunburn on top of my head. Jason Furtak. Since I won't sleep here tonight, sparing the fly. David Oates. Another Kerouac-inspired one? What do you think? Childhood home, the broken beams hidden from sight. Anne Alexander. Forgetting the hole in the oven mitt until... Dorothy Mahoney. Dorothy, you should see two of my fingers. I did exactly that this week. And they're really sore. Anyway, never mind. Teach me not to be so stupid in future, won't it? Early morning swim. I turn my head to inhale a cumulus cloud. Valerie Rosenfeld. She sashays into my silence, and anklets tinkle. Paul Callas. Shifting sand, my mother refuses to use my pronouns. Lithica Anne. Bookshop staff, intense liaisons, 
Between the Covers. Laurie Kiefer. Neighbour's doormat. Street cat with kittens shows her teeth. Hassan Zemori. Windowless classroom. A ladybug lands on my finger. Pippa Phillips. Back to childhood. Again and again mum asks after her puppy. Natalia Kuznetsova. Road trip. Your thoughts and mine. Bumper to bumper. Alvin Cruz. He loves me, he loves me not. The journey. Linda L. Ludwig. Adoption class. Another year waitlisted. Erin Castaldi. As much hair in the brush. Final chemo. David Kawika Air. Drought. Parents too weak to bury their dead daughter. Rob McKinnon. Lifting the rusted tin, a knot of adders unslips. Tim Roberts. Gospel music. Rising in the delta, the pastor's veins. Miko. Bonfire smoke. The migrant's song fills the night sky. Avinda Kaur. Branches in the wind. Swinging to the moon my wavy verses. Anna Maria Domberg. San Cristoforo. Spider season. Picking a new cup and postcard. Petro C.K. Hunting. The blood moon glistens on his rifle. D.V. Rosich. Irate neighbours. We move our wind chimes in the storm. Jenny Shepherd. Now, this one really intrigued me, Jenny, because I wondered, were you moving them to annoy your neighbours a little bit more or were you moving them to placate your neighbours? I wonder. Diagnosis. All the prayers she ever knew. Mona Betty. Mother's last breath. A sky lantern soars up into the stars. Milan Rajkumar. Women's Day. Beggar girl eats arms and insults. Vipanyat Kaur. Flocking to the same spot. Birders. Nathaniel Tico. Two breaths in the afterglow, desynchronizing. 
John Hawkhead. Looking for words in the woods, how hikers always greet you. Craig Kittner. And if you ever find yourself in woods round here, don't forget to say Grüezi to everyone. Sunset. A poem writes a poet. Shrini. Even fall, her soft voice in the wine, my elbows on the table. Robert Whitmer. Lobster dinner, how effortlessly she breaks things off. Andrew Markowski. Bench to bench, the voyage of the old sailor. Daniel Birnbaum. Now I'm not quite sure how to read this one out. You really need to go and look at it. I'm going to read it as it makes sense to me, but again, go and have a look. See what you think. It's quite an interesting one. Hating me, no pause in my hormones attack. Tracy Davidson. Orange tabby, a soft blanket covers new angel wings. Chris Langer. Spilled powder, browning Vaseline, rat tail combs, my dead aunt's dresser drawer. Barry Levine. Hawker's delight, they come in all shapes and sizes. Willie R. Bonkeron. Just a line from a half-remembered song. You leave all over again. Michael Flanagan. Swapping out dead flowers, we cling to appearances. Jerome Berglund. A child's hand tries to put them back again. Petals on a wet black bough. Joshua St. Clair. Holding an all-night vigil, Hunter's Moon. Richard Bailey. And now for the last nomination. I'm going to make one myself this time. Let me read it to you. Snow on reeds. The hush of a barn owl across the fen. Christopher Jopp. There were so many wonderful haiku in this podcast, I could have chosen any one of them. But this one stood out for me. Why? Because this is a spoken poetry podcast. This poem looks great on the page. It sounds wonderful in your head. But when you read it out loud, oh my goodness. Let me read it to you again. And just listen to those luscious S sounds. Snow on reeds, the hush of a barn owl across the fen. Christopher Jupp. Okay, so I love the sound. But what do I have to say about its merit as a haiku? It has a kigo, 
Very clearly, the snow indicates winter. But Christopher gives us a little bit more than the snow. The snow is on the reeds. And this element elevates the kigo from the basic Haiku 101 kigo, doesn't it? It has a kire, a cut. In my mind, it's a short pause, but it's there after the first line. And Christopher's phrase element of this haiku is rhythmic and lyrical. Sometimes I think this has gone out of fashion in haiku. As poets, we're often so careful not to write haiku in the Western poetic fashion that we lose the rhythm. But here, Christopher hasn't. Look at what he says in his phrase. The hush of a barn owl across the fen. The barn owl sort of screeches, but I could see how this sound could be described as hush. So Christopher could be talking to us of the sound of the barn owl calling across the fen. But in my head, and sorry if this is wrong, Christopher, it's the barn owl gliding across the fen that I'm seeing and not hearing. Either way, the image of the fragment combined with the phrase gives me an empty feeling, an overwhelming feeling of sadness, and yet there's beauty. So Christopher, I had to nominate your poem. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you to my lovely judging panel. We're off to have a chat about the eventual judge's choice and the honourable mentions. You will, of course, find out the final results in Journal 3, later this year or early next year, which, in honesty, is probably more probable. Don't forget to get hold of your copy of the latest journal, number two, which is jam-packed with writer's resources and original haiku senryu and haibun. You can find everything on our website. Now that's the end of our podcast for today. Like I said, it was a bumper submission period and I do wish I could nominate more poems for Touchstone Awards because as I read through those, there were so many that really deserve it. But I tell you what, if you have favourites, why don't you go along to the Haiku Foundation, nominate one of your own poems and perhaps a poem you've heard today. That would be great. So, thank you for your submissions and thank you for joining me to hear all the wonderful original poetry we've heard today. Next time, I'm bringing you some Haibun, the Haibun that Shane and I have nominated for the Touchstone Haibun Award. Do join me and some of our poets who are going to read for us. Until then, keep writing. And don't forget to check out the show notes because if there's something missing, you can just email me and I'll try and sort it out for you. Ciao.